Happy Thanksgiving, film friends and family. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect movies with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. We've hit Thanksgiving in our Hollow Thanksmas series all about holiday cheer and how it's captured on film. My friend Angela Martino calls in all the way from Montana to discuss her very first viewing of one of my all-time favorite holiday movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you so much for spending your wonderful fourth Thursday in November to join us to talk about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the pinnacle Thanksgiving movie um, of the last 30 years. And I am joined by my good friend from Ithaca College, calling in all the way from Montana, Angela Martino. How are you today? I'm great. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. You know, when we first started doing this series, we knew Thanksgiving was going to be the toughest holiday to talk about because a lot of times with movies, it's just based on a single scene of Thanksgiving. But this movie is directly related to the holiday itself and all about getting home to your loved ones. And it's one that I've watched every single year for the past probably 10 years or so. Uh, I love it. It's one of my personal favorite comedies. And uh, this is going to be really interesting because this was your first time watching it. So I just want to know, like, what was your what was your first viewing experience like? What was your initial reaction to it? Yeah, I thought it was a really funny movie, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial viewing experience was in a hotel room with one of my friends named Jasper the other night. And it was just fun, you know? Like, it's kind of sad because this man just tries so hard to get home to his loved ones for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then he's just trapped with this man he has no interest with. And it's kind of <laughs> hilarious. But it shows this really... is It's just a great message overall. And you can see how it shapes and forms throughout the entire viewing of the movie. Yeah, it's a really great um, journey to go on. It's kind of, it, it fits in a couple different subgenres. You know, obviously it's a holiday movie because it's about Thanksgiving, but it's also, it's a great road trip movie. And we'll talk about some of the, you know, details of the trip a little bit later, but, and it's a buddy movie. Like it's kind of a, like a top tier buddy comedy. You know, there's like, you know, the classics like, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, um, or um, uh, like uh, Midnight Run. And this one is, you know, I think it came out at right just like the perfect time. Tail end of the 80s, 1987. um, Catches John Hughes at a really great point after like all of the classic teen angst movies that he had done, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, all of those. And, you know, this was his first adult movie you know there's no real like um adolescence like scene in this movie i mean sure you could talk about like how you know kind of childish their actions may be but for the most part this is a movie about adults doing you know just trying to like interact with each other and that that was very different for him and john hughes has always been a very interesting you know director to me i've always loved his movies and there really isn't anyone else like him you know Uh, i wanted to know what um if you have any relationships with his films, like The Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller or any of those, what, what, how do you feel about John Hughes? 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, Breakfast Club is great. Ferris Bueller is one of my favorite movies. That one's just hilarious. You can't, yeah. you can't go wrong with Ferris Bueller. Um, and then just seeing this one too, it, it, he definitely has a very specific tone and elements that he carries with him throughout all of his movies. And also with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles specifically, you mentioned the 80s. This is definitely an 80s movie. Yes. And I really appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that Ferris is kind of the, um, th- that's the absolute like top tier John Hughes. Uh, that was a movie that I watched like over and over and over again as a kid. And like the, the 80s really seeps through that. Um, and plain strange, you can definitely see it in some of like the costume choices and like uh, definitely like the cars and the way that the airport are just like how like the city and the airport uh, works and operates. But like, it's kind of a, a little bit more of a duller movie, not in terms of like, you know, like enjoyment or anything. But like when you watch it, especially the first like 15 minutes of it, it's a little more because it's more adult. It's very gray. It's almost got this gloom over it, yet it's still funny um and it's such a very interesting um stark change from his all of his other movies like all of his other movies especially breakfast club ferris bueller in the first like 15 minutes of it you get this incredible energy like that whole opening scene of ferris bueller is just like boom get you right yes. into it and yes. th- this this movie is is a little different because it's kind of a you know like we're in a you know like a, a staff meeting for an advertisement agency. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But it's, it's a great, you know, it's such a great change. And you'd think that it wouldn't have been able to work. Like there's a, there is like a universe where this movie just doesn't work for John Hughes because of how different it is for him. Yeah, it is very different. That opening scene, you're right. I was very surprised by that scene in particular, because I just like watching the trailer before I even saw the movie, I was like, wait, why are we in an office? But (laughs) <laughs> it all makes sense and comes together and you're like okay yeah. it's very funny how it kind of moves on with um specifically with the actor uh steve martin playing neil page his his first initial reaction to being like let's go come on like i gotta go yeah <laughs> just sets the whole movie absolutely and you see like john hughes's kind of um absurdist style sprinkled throughout and uh, not absurd in like the traditional sense but when I recently, like when I was in Los Angeles uh, in the beginning of the year, some friends of mine did a rewatch of Ferris Bueller. And I was so shocked at how, like the movie is still very funny, but a lot of the humor is very strange. Like the timing of it and the way that the, like, the jokes are set up. Like a lot of it is very visual, but also yeah. it's existential, but funny. It's extremely absurd, but it's great. And then in, in this movie, he has some very interesting, you know, stylistic choices like highlighting when his uh, plane is supposed to leave, when uh, Neil is trying to figure out where he saw Del Griffith for the first time, and he's in the airport, and it's just like puts the car like door, and he's just like, like, <laughs> like it's so great. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I, I love that because it makes it such a signature, you know, there's a signature style and separates this from like, from other 80s comedies. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that first time, that first initial reaction when John Candy and Steve Martin finally put face in face, like, oh, you're the guy. Yeah. Steve's like out for blood. He's like, listen, you yeah. stole my cab. I'm out for you. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, we'll get into the relationship of theirs in just a second. I wanted to do a couple specs on the movie. So the movie is from yeah. 1987. Uh, it is comedy directed and written and produced by the great John Hughes, um, starring Steve Martin and John Candy, all about Neil Page and Del Griffith um, on a two-day um, road trip movie across many um Means of traffic, uh, means of transportation to get home um, for Thanksgiving, and I, I want to start with just the chemistry and the brilliant choice to put Steve Martin and John Candy together because these are two really big comedic actors of their times, and obviously Steve Martin is still incredibly prevalent. Um, John Candy obviously passed away tragically um, at the end of the '90s, but they were like very big key players in shaping what modern humor and comedy is I feel like and this is a very interesting role for Steve Martin because like when he was starting off in stand up and uh, doing movies like The Jerk in the in the early 70s he was kind of all over the place like he was a very like I mean like his stand up says he was a wild and crazy guy and here something happened like in the 80s he became a little bit more like he was able to reserve it a little bit more and he is has brilliant timing but John Candy has this great physicality to him, but he's also so avuncular. You know, I think that has a lot to do with like Uncle Buck, but that I would have never like had I not seen this movie, I would have never have placed them together. But they're both so good at also just being real people and they're easy to relate to. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, just there's this one part where Steve was just railing in to John about like how he just was so upset with him. And like, you see that emotional impact with Dell at that moment. And you're like, wow. And exactly what you're saying. They're, they're both able to like hone in on those emotional reactions and also have those comedic outlets where they can just like joke around and whatever. It's, they're really great together. I think this movie also shows like how great like comedians could be as being actors in that they have such a wide range and we're able to show it off through one story. As I think a lot of times, like in the past 10 years or so, um, a lot of comedians who have become actors like, you know, like Kevin Hart or Will Ferrell or like even Dwayne Johnson to some extent, like they, they all like, if, if it's, if it's a comedy movie, they're just being funny. They're just like throwing all of their, you know, comedic abilities out there. And then, they'll save the other stuff for when they're doing dramatic stuff like that. It's so different, but like, or they keep them separate. Whereas here, Martin and Candy go through a quite an emotional journey together throughout this entire, you know, 48 hours that they're together. Um, and the way that the story moves, it, it gives them a lot of range or a lot of um, opportunity to show their range, like that scene you're talking about. But then, you know, in the next scene immediately after that, they're spooning with each other in bed, and then they do the two pillows thing, which is just incredible. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think we see a lot of that anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, they, exactly what you just said. Their their chemistry just it it shows a different dynamic, and like what you're saying about like heart and some other comedic actors like it, it is like you do see more of that like one line where with this one you you have those like different emotional hits and also there was another scene when um at the very end spoiler i'm sorry but when martin goes back <laughs> um he goes back to get candy to go back for thanksgiving and like that just shows like the emotional growth and all of that throughout the whole film itself which is really cool to see as with two comedic actors 
Yeah, and I think it's good that they made sure to have arcs for the characters and have secrets mm-hmm. that were revealed. Like it's very, it's a very well written movie, not just comedically speaking, but it's a good, it's just a good story too. Like I feel like a lot yeah. of times the um, the comedic arcs of movies, like of characters in comedies, like especially now, it's very minimal. And I'm not saying like this, like these arcs are super complex in this movie, but like they're they're earned. They're well realized. Mm-hmm. It's all about embracing, you know, they like kind of become brothers by the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's so heartwarming to see. It is. I agree with you. Uh, so before we get into it, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, one of my personal favorite holidays. Um, you know, I've kind of said it to death on this, uh, on this series already that I like how uh, kind of, just uh, it's one singular event kind of thing. I like that. Mm-hmm. I always like the meal. I always like all the food attributed to Thanksgiving. Um, it's a pretty easy holiday. Um, I was wondering what your relationship to it is. If you have any special traditions or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I'm a, my family celebrates Thanksgiving a little bit less traditionally. Um, sometimes we'll have the whole Turkey and the big ordeal and all of that. But then sometimes we just like to escape and we go down to Maryland for the week and we have a big crab dinner which is obviously not a turkey dinner. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, but it's definitely like Thanksgiving for me is always a time to celebrate with my family. And as long as they're there, it doesn't matter what we do or what we eat. And I think that's what makes it even more special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is you know supposed to be just a, we, we talked about this on this last episode about the ice storm that it, the whole point of the holiday is kind of just a, a singular you know, space and time to literally just focus on each other. There's really, there Mm -hmm. aren't really any other distractions. I mean, unless you're big on Black Friday, which is not going to be that big this year. I'll tell you that. Um, (laughs) Yes, stay in, please just be safe. Um, But uh, yeah, it's more so like you just kind of put your whole family under uh, like a single light and start to notice, you know, what makes them tick and how we interact with each other. Uh, and I think that's one thing that this movie kind of does really well is that, mm-hmm. you know, just at, for, for, for like 75% of the movie, these guys just don't get along. Like, and then <laughs> like, then at the end they realize like, Oh shit. Like we went on this like extreme, we've been on this journey together. You know, we've come so far, you know, we got to finish it. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the, you know, the spirits of the holiday that um, is really, you know, is at the, the front of this movie, but obviously the journey and the hectic nature of trying to get home. I mean, have you ever had like something like the, maybe not to this great of scale, but has there ever been difficult travels to get home for the holidays? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you live in upstate New York and you, you're just, it's game over, man. Sometimes you have a whole blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's very true. I remember last year, um, I, I said this on the previous episode, but like last year, I remember I had no troubles getting home for Thanksgiving, but I had a lot of trouble getting back to school after right. Thanksgiving because <laughs> yeah. it was like two and a half feet of snow. It was the roads were unbelievably slick yep. and it was just, oh my God, it was fucking awful. But like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was terrible. I, I, but like, why is it that like, I, I feel like that might be more attributed to Thanksgiving getting home because the the timing of it is just such a small timeline like mm-hmm. it's five days for break you know that and 
like Christmas, it's like, okay, I have a little bit more time to get home. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's stretched out a little bit more, but Thanksgiving is just so rushed. You know, it's like, oh shit, two days, we got to go. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, for sure it is. It's like, well, if I miss my train and my plane and my automobile, then I am stuck. <laughs> if you miss two out of the three, man. yeah, if you missed, if you miss two out of the three, you might be able to do it, but definitely not all three. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, do you want to just dive right in? Let's do you want to just get to the critical stuff? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's do critical breakdown. I, I just want to expand a little bit more on just how great the chemistry is between the two. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. forefront of this movie. If you have any other um, two actors in this in these roles, like the movie just doesn't work that well. Like even if you have Steve Martin, even if you have John Candy and someone else opposite them, it's just not it's just not the same. Uh, it's their timing is so like they they know the beauty of pauses, which I think a lot of comedic actors don't like take a lot of value in sometimes like there's great like sometimes sometimes um especially steve martin is good at just expression like he's so good at just like you can tell what he's feeling just from his face and not say anything or even john can or like and sometimes john candy like will wait and you kind of see what he's thinking and then he's like boom here's my thought you know like (laughs) like it's 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 just such great um two great skills like just coming together Mm -hmm. i really like how with steve martin you could literally see his like eyebrow furrow and that Mm -hmm. was like the first expression of like wow i'm really angry and like his that kind of way that he expresses that and exactly what you're saying with john candy like they, they just can bounce right off of one another which is really really unique yeah i don't know how much of this movie was improvised i feel like most of john Don Hughes' scripts are pretty straightforward and um, unfollowed because they are almost, I mean, especially obviously Breakfast Club is just like a play, but um, I, I would imagine these guys are so well rehearsed that it just seems, it just comes naturally. Like the lines mm-hmm. just really flow and um, like the conversations, like they just don't stop. Like they don't, or they don't like drag on. They are taking like the right amount of time to get to the point that they need to. Um, and mm-hmm. you need really skilled people to be able to do that. Yes, you do. I want to talk about the opening um, cab chase because it's total 80s movie. It's yes. absolutely ridiculous with an insane w- lineless Kevin Bacon cameo. <laughs> that- <laughs> Brings a smile to my face every single time <laughs> I see it. It just makes me so happy that he's in this movie for for no reason. He has no business being in this movie, uh, but it's so so great. You know, one year after Weird Science, and he's just bam, he's in there. It's great. I, I love it. Um, and just it, it's just so like Steve Martin when he's running, like he's clearly just like Ugh, like he's just dying. <laughs> <laughs> That was such a great scene. I love that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's and it's really like well paced, like it's really fast. And then he's trying to, you know, he bribes the guy for the cab, and he's like, "You're a thief." Close. I'm an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my initial thought, like with that scene as a whole, was how the heck did they manage to film all of that? 
like yeah. all the coordination that had to go into that is beyond me because you had you had just people and cars everywhere and then like Steve Martin's briefcase got run over like that thing had to have been so hefty <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've, I don't know if it's just me but like after going through film school and like you know being on as many sets as I was able to like seeing movies that are filmed in New York just gives me anxiety now it's like I like, totally no, agree. I, I, I would never want to do that <laughs> all my movies are going to be in the suburbs you know (laughs) you know shit with stop signs and stuff that can be regulated (laughs) the road is closed sorry (laughs) go around you know you can get there's another way to access it um but you know that's where we get to see the you know the great moment where he yells at uh john candy where he's like all right you son of a bitch this is my cab ow and then he just like drives away And he barely makes it to the airport on time. And again, there's just that really great first introduction between the two of them where John John Candy's reading a book called like the Canadian Mount or something like that. It's like so inappropriate. (laughs) Yep. He's just like flipping through it like the entire movie. Um, (laughs) And and, you know, you get the sense that, like, you know, very clearly these guys just don't, like, don't like each other. Or, like, you know, Steve Martin definitely doesn't like John Candy. And I love mm-hmm. that he's just like, you know, how about a nice hot dog and beer? You know, just a hot dog. Then. You know, some <laughs> coffee, some tea, a Slurpee, Lifesaver. <laughs> yeah. That was a great line. Those were, that was fun. I, I do love seeing John Candy in this movie just because he, you know, he's got the, he's got the, you know, weird mustache. And he... Um, he has this kind of giddy charm to him where he's just mm-hmm. always like, eh, you know, I thought I knew you, you know? <laughs> and, you know, he obviously has this secretive troubled past, but he, there's such a, I think that's another reason why these two work so well together is because, you know, Steve Martin is very trained, but Candy is so bright and has just this like beam about him. And he yeah. did in like pretty much through all of his movies. Yeah, he does have that beam of light around him the entire time. It's it's really great to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the main plot, I guess, of, the, of this movie are like the the travel itself as they are flying out of LaGuardia Airport in New York to go to O'Hara in Chicago, and then they get diverted to Wichita, Kansas, and because because of a blizzard, and they have to then make it from wichita back to new york and i kind of just want to get this out of the way right now because it's something that my family and i have kind of argued about for the past like few years is that the the actual travel and journey of this movie doesn't really make any sense that's true because like we we mapped it out so if they're from which if they're going from wichita to chicago it's literally only like a six-hour drive (laughs) yep (laughs) And they're getting on trains and they're getting into cars and it takes them two days. And like, they obviously have to stretch it out to make it a movie. But like the whole time we're just like, if he, if they got a rental car, you know, from the airport in Wichita, if they were able to get one, you know, they could have made it, you know, by the next day. (laughs) I think a lot of this, honestly, I think the reason why it might've taken so long is because, Steve Martin doesn't have a lot of patience or or Neil Page rather the character himself doesn't have much patience with 
transportation. And I feel like if you don't have patience, you're going to get places a lot slower. That's a very good point. No, that, that is true that he like, and he's also just so stuck with the airport. I think cause yeah. I think also maybe like, I think it, cause he's kind of coming from like a place of privilege too, because you mm-hmm. know, his status is much. Um, and he was like, he has that whole argument with the, with the uh, the flight attendant on the plane about having a first class ticket, and then yeah, you know true. he gets, um, you know, because so, this guy, like, we've all seen people like that, like just people who are just like complaining for really no good reason, and mm-hmm. um, it's just just kind of holding everything up. But that creates one of the best kind of visual editing uh, gags in the movie is when he's like. You know, you know, you get, you're getting moved to coach. He's like, "Oh, great! First you delay me, then you bump me. I can't wait to see what happens next." And then he's <laughs> like, "Is this a coincidence or what?" <laughs> like, <is> this- <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's the other thing too. This whole movie is paced so well because of the editing, the timing of all the scenes. Like they just they meld so well together. And you know, we find out that Del Griffith is a shower curtain salesman. <laughs> yeah. Shower curtain rings, best in the world. (laughs) Perfect. You know, I'm happy for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's great that he, you know, has made a living for himself. I I don't know if I would buy any of those. I don't I don't personally take any big pride in my shower curtain rings, but you know, if he's if he says something that catch my eye, I might, you know, inquire further. (laughs) I know, right? Gotta look into it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like Another thing, another joke in the scene that my family and I quote all the time is when he's sitting there and he takes his shoes off and then he oh takes his sock off. He's like, oh, my dogs are barking a day and just starts whipping his sock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is another thing, you know, we've all been on planes with shitty people like that. Oh Not necessarily God. people who have taken their socks off, but like just I gross cry. people. <laughs> that is true. That is they, true. They are everywhere. Um, and also I love when he's asleep and he's like six bucks and my left nut says we're not making it to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that John Candy has some there's like the best lines in the movie. Oh, he has like, great lines. <laughs> just throughout the entire thing. He is like just bringing a hundred percent. Not that Steve Martin isn't, but Steve Martin is kind of there to be like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, I recognize this guy. Like I know, um, I, I think more people were kind of used to seeing Steve Martin more than John Candy. Not that John Candy wasn't a big star, but like, you know, Steve Martin was just, he's just, he's the guy, you know, he's just a dude. And then, yeah. you know, John Candy is just like, he, some of the stuff he says is just like ridiculous. And he's like, we'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we would getting a plane out of here before daybreak. Like, <laughs> who the fuck talks like that? <laughs> John Candy and Del Griffith, man. Yeah. It's a great he has a great character. He he was definitely my favorite character in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. How does this movie I, I'm curious, just I, I don't necessarily know what your relationship to comedic movies or like comedies are. Um, but I, I want to know like how this movie kind of scratches that itch for you as being a comedy. Because like obviously, you know, it's it's got a lot of jokes, it's funny, but like at the essence of it. Do you go into a comedy expecting something certain? Like, what what does this give you in terms of a comedy? I think um, this is one of the one of the better comedies that I've watched. I'm not really a big comedy person, um, just because sometimes I feel like comedies can lay kind of flat, or they try very very hard to be a comedy. But this movie in particular, 
um, it has a lot of those emotional like breakdowns where that can kind of be used as comedy itself. So I really enjoyed it in the sense of like overall tone. And I, I guess like, I just, the relationships are really what helped me through comedies. Like that's what, if, if people have good chemistry on screen, that's really where I'm going to be keyed in. So this is a really good comedy for me to watch in particular. I agree. I think comedies, I'm more focused on the characters than I am the story plot. Cause mm-hmm. like we said, you know, the, the main story of this movie is pretty, pretty easy to follow. It's just like, you yeah. know, getting from a to B to C to D and, you know, et cetera. Um, but when you have two people, you know, stuck, you, it's that, that's the other thing too. It's just, just like, let's just get two people who have great comedic abilities like, and, and just they're stuck together and yeah. just kind of, kind of see what happens. Um, and it's it is interesting because this movie is more or less just a character study, like it it's, is. <laughs> and it, they're not. I'm not, necess- not necessarily they're like the most deep, complex characters, but they have a lot going on under the surface, you know. They do. That's true. I really enjoyed how. Um, I guess like I really like dark humor too, and I felt like this movie had a ton of that, and so that's that's another reason why this resonated so deeply with me. Yeah, they go kind of through a, a wide range of of humor, like obviously through dangerous situations to sight gags to um, like sexual jokes to just everything. I, like, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about the scene where they get to the the Bravewood Inn, the the motel. Like, that's one yeah. of the best comedy scene, like comedic scenes I've ever seen. Like, because it's like twenty, like or fifteen minutes straight of just okay. You know, they get there, they realize they have to share a bed and they share the bathroom and, you know, he uses mm-hmm. all the towels and the socks are in the sink and then he, you know, <laughs> spills the beer like on the bed and he's like, I had no idea those were going to blow like that. And he's like, you left him on a vibrating bed. What'd you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That whole section of them just like sleeping in bed uh, and tell like can't go to sleep and he's like cracking his knuckles and then he like <laughs> is reading like with the lighter and it's like reading his book and then oh just God. starts clearing his sinuses like <laughs> my whole family especially my brother and I have like seasonal allergies so we end up snorting oh, a lot because and so my mom every year is just like you know that's what it's like living with you guys you know <gasps> meanwhile every, like, fi- every every 15 minutes my mom's like <sighs> like trying to <laughs> clear it out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's his breaking point, you know? And like, he just like, snaps. <laughs> he's like, I'm done. Yeah. Yes. And I, I love that. You know, I love that speech that he gives that whole thing where he's like, you know, um, I can, I could tolerate any insurance seminar, you know, for days. And, you know, I, honey, I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. You know, he's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, then here's a gun. So you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like it's so mean, but it like so mean. But then you know he comes around and he realizes, oh okay, you know I was, uh, you know I was I was a huge dick, and I I mm-hmm. like that this movie kind of mirrors itself in a way, like the fact that in that scene Dell opens up and he does this whole you know that that monologue that he does is pretty iconic. You know he's like, you want to hurt me? Like go ahead if it makes you feel better. But he opens up yeah. to. He opens up to Steve Martin, and so he can be like, you know, please stay with me. You'll be fine. And so then later, when um, they get the other motel at the end of the movie, then Steve Martin's like, you're going to freeze to death and lets him in. So it's like mm-hmm. a kind of cool, cool 
parallel uh, structure. Yeah, I, I love that moment when John Candy kind of just opened up to Steve Martin about just like, hey, like, listen, I am who I am. I'm not going to change who I am. You like, you can accept me or you can't. Like, he really stands up for himself, and I think that was a really, really iconic monologue. Like you said, yeah, they they need. I think they need that to ground the story because, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, it's. It, I mean, it's kind of cheesy that he just kind of goes off in this whole big thing where he's like, you know, uh, my <laughs> wife likes me, my customers like me, but like, again, you you need that because, and John Candy is also do like he's trying to keep up appearance and make sure that he you know, isn't really found out because he's emotionally vulnerable because obviously his Mm -hmm. wife passed away and he doesn't really have a home, you know, to go to. Um, And, and then of course the next scene where they're just spooning in bed with baby's arms playing in the background, it's like, where's, where's your other hand between two pillows? (laughs) Those aren't pillows. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if like a joke like that would get passed today. Like, would this movie be made today? I think the movie itself would be made today, but it would be completely yes. different. Totally different. Definitely like, would be I, made today. But I, I don't know, like... I, I feel like it would be kind of... I think they would go all female for it. And yeah. I, I think, I think that... Yeah, it, it would be interesting. I, I just... I, I wonder if it would be... I don't know. Because this, this movie actually ages really well. Like it's not really mm-hmm. like offensive in any way. There's not, there aren't any. I mean, there aren't really a lot of female characters in it. And I'll get to the one main female character in a second. But the the jokes itself, they they're not like make. They're not mean spirited. They're not making fun of any like specific group. They're not mm-hmm. targeted necessarily. It's just about these two guys that get, kind of go at it with a few weird characters sprinkled throughout. Do you know what I yeah, mean? I agree with you. I think the I think the thing that is really explored here is masculinity and like you definitely can see even like within that scene like the toxic masculinity of like not accepting like oh they were cuddling bed like you can accept that that's okay but like I think that's something that probably would be more explored today if they were to remake the movie and I think that'd be really cool to see like what they could do with exploring masculinity as a whole Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean that that scene isn't necessarily played as like because at first it's like a slow realization like oh this I I just met you this is kind of weird but then like with this hand between his ass it's like oh my god like it's, <laughs> but it, it's it's great and I think that the I think they would have leaned into the the privilege aspect of it a little bit more because like mm-hmm. I said you know the fact that Steve Martin is very you know he, he's complaining a lot throughout the first you know act of the movie and like. Oh, I can't believe I didn't have first class. You know, my advertising meeting went over schedule. You know, but I still make like a shit ton of money. Like that 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 house that they live in back in Chicago is like gorgeous. I'm it's fairly amazing. certain it's the home. Al- I'm fairly certain it's the Home Alone house, but it it, it looks you know a lot I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I but I wanted to talk about the um the character of um of Steve Martin's wife. I I can't remember the character's name. Susan Page. Um, Susan Page. That's right. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of the worst part in this movie, in my personal opinion. <laughs> and it's not really any fault of the actresses. I, I just think she wasn't given a lot of material to work with. And she, the, she's not a key player in the story necessarily. And I don't really think that she needs to be. But the fact that she's like, you know, uh, you're in Wichita, Kansas. I don't understand how being in Wichita has anything to do with a snowstorm in Chicago and like is waiting. Like it's just, she doesn't add anything. And she's just like, are you crazy? You like, 
you're traveling back all this like it's she's just kind of she kind of just complains and is a very mm-hmm. um she's just confused throughout the movie you know she doesn't really that, yeah. that's kind of all she's there for and i mean it, it's a sh- that actress is great I, I i'm blanking on her name but she's really great but um uh, I, I i you know she's not given a whole lot yeah uh, her her name is Layla Robbins, um, yeah. and she I, I agree that she wasn't given a ton of material. Unfortunately, I wish that I could have seen her in a bigger role because I think that she could have had a really big impact within the story itself. Um, so I think like if they were ever to do like a remake of this story or something, I think it would be really cool to have more female roles, and so especially within her own role itself, it'd be cool to see more of the dynamic between her and Steve Martin and. Even like John Candy, like at the end, I know that they just met briefly, but it would have it would be really cool to see like how that kind of progression would happen um, in a in another movie or something like that, you know? Yeah, that brings up another question I wanted to ask. Like, do you think this movie would have benefited from an entire Thanksgiving scene at the end? Because like the movie itself is pretty short, mm-hmm. like it's pretty it's pretty fast, and mm-hmm. um, and it's tight, you know, like they don't really waste a, a whole lot of time. You know, every no, scene is pretty well, it's pretty, uh, you know, well-timed and uh, well-made. But if they had like to really kind of hammer it home, like a scene where they do sit down, even if it's like just a minute, like if they just sit down and, you know, kind of, you know, just share stories and accept like, and have Dell interact with the rest of the family. Because the the freeze frame like you know i know we're jumping to the end but that freeze frame at the end after he's just like hi hi honey i'm home is you know it's total 80s cheese like of course but like (laughs) do you think if they had just like one more like dinner scene do you think it do you think it would have worked or would it bogged it down a little bit i don't know that's a good question i think it could have benefited in some ways from a thanksgiving scene just to see how I guess just to give more of a spotlight onto Susan Page. Um, But I also don't really think it needs it. I think it kind of ended where it needed to end because it is a comedy first and foremost. It has that quick pace. And if if they were to kind of like keep it going on and on, like with the Thanksgiving scene to make it more emotional, then I feel like it might've kind of given a different turn on the end. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I guess just in terms of the story, they reach their destination. Um, That's kind of what the the whole purpose of the movie is. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about some of the other uh, iconic scenes. Um, yeah. You know, the, the movie is just kind of, you know, riddled with them. Uh, I, I think like kind of the slowest part involves the the train sequence. Like there's not a whole lot of comedic yeah. stuff that's going on. Like they're kind of just, um, you know, they get to the train, you know, they get on and then the train breaks down. And uh, th- that's the other thing. So this train breaks down <laughs> and... <laughs> They're just like, all right, be free, go, you know, <laughs> like they just let everybody out and like they don't, they're not like, okay, you know, we'll wait here. We'll wait for someone to come fix, you know, whatever we got going on. And then we'll, but they're just like, no, walk miles to the next town. <laughs> like, Yeah. I was wondering about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what about health and safety? <laughs> Where does that come in? <laughs> Yeah, literally. I mean, it's the same. They do the same thing in the happening. The train, the train doesn't even break down in the happening. They just lose communication, and they're just like, "All right, go, please walk thirty miles to the next town." Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very strange. Um, but 
you know, and the whole thing, they, you know, they lose their cash in the night from that, that one burglar and, uh, they have to, you know, <laughs> they charge their way home. And I love that, like that moment where, uh, you know, John Candy realizes it and he's like, we were robbed. Steve Martin's <laughs> like, do you think so? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That was my um, actual reaction in real time. I was like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a total. I and I also have to commend John Candy and the write and the writing for um, all of the side characters that are in this movie too. Because um, in the ne- very next scene, uh, we get to uh, <laughs> meet. Oh fuck, what's his name? Uh, Dylan Baker as Owen, the the son of the the uh, the motel owner, and mm-hmm. he's just like he's just chewing like the entire time and just like has this weird like I'm Owen like and the, this yeah. look on his face like he's and John Candy and Steve Martin are just like oh boy like, and then they have to into? yeah <laughs> they have to ride in the back and he's like you know all this trunk's pretty heavy it's like you know my wife you know she's strong her first baby come out sideways she didn't scream or nothing. And Steve Martin just has this look on his face like, oh, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that was a great scene. And I love how they just, they're just given such little time. Like those side characters are just given like five, maybe six lines and they make the most of it. And like Dylan Baker's, you know, well-known dramatic actor, but he has some good timing here. Like he spits, wipes his hand, and then shakes Steve Martin's hands. Like with you know, you just think of that in a universe or in a world where there's a pandemic, and you just that does not fly well. You yeah. like watch that, and you're like, I can't, I can't look at the screen right now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very difficult to even look at scenes in New York City when people are crowded because oh, you're just like, oh, they're like shoulder to shoulder, and like there's. That, that quick like insert shot when they're in the airport and you know all of the oh, flights no. go from delayed to canceled and everyone's just laying on top of each other and it's like oh my god like social distancing I know I mean which is obviously not in the fault of the creators of the movie it's just oh, this no. society now like I just can't I just can't see any movie like even I can't remember what I was watching but there was something that had like a concert scene. And I was and I was just like shriveled up into a ball, like just imagining <laughs> the idea of going to a concert right now. I know. Oh man. I miss I miss being with other people <laughs> and I do going too. out. Um, <laughs> uh, so I I wanted to okay what what what's some other good ones? Uh, I mean we we're kind of like just repeating ourselves and like just saying like some of the like all all the scenes in this movie are obviously like very funny, but the one mm-hmm. I I need I need to highlight because of how um it, just batshit insane it is <laughs> is well there's two I think the best stretch of this movie is when uh so Neil goes to get his rental car and it's not there so he walks four miles back to the airport in, in marathon um, to talk to. And the, and and the woman at the front desk is the, um, the, like the, the principal's assistant in Ferris Bueller. And she's like, 
you know, and then just he just unloads like the word fuck like 30 times. And it's the one reason why this movie is rated R, but it's just like, you know, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang. It's just incredible. <laughs> I got to know what was your reaction to that scene the first time? Because the first time I watched, because when I watched it, I think I was the first time I watched it, I want to say I was like nine years old, maybe in my mom was a little, my mom was a little hesitant. But I had already seen like Die Hard and other things like that. But mm-hmm. um, my stepdad was like, just that one scene. And it really is. It's like that's the only like really um, obscene scene in the movie is that one. But wh- what was your reaction when that scene was playing down when he's just screaming at this woman? <laughs> Honestly, my first reaction was, man, this guy's a dick. Because yeah. <laughs> truly, who does that? I mean, to be fair, I would be annoyed if... I was in line and the person behind the desk was just talking casually to someone on the phone because like, I need, I have places I have to be too. I get it, but you can't just go up to someone and just start unloading like that either. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this man's crazy. But it's great because she still holds all the power. Oh, you know? she does hold all the power and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't cause she's just, you know, just kind of listening to him. She's like scratching her head with the pen and she just has this like dead eye look at her, look at him mm-hmm. and, he, and he's just like, you know, I threw away my rental agreement and she's just like, you're fucked. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so great. <laughs> that line was amazing. She, mm-hmm. she really, she killed him and it was great. <laughs> yeah. Shot him down. And as much as I love Steve Martin in this movie, don't get me wrong. Uh, I love seeing him get, get it all back at him because oh, me too. that's the other thing that is essential about this movie is Steve Martin needs to be beaten down. Oh, he yeah. needs to get the world, you know, get the shit kicked out of him for this. Like when you're like, it, it was brilliant to have when he's walking back this remix of him yelling, you know, you're messing with the wrong guy and his hat gets mm-hmm. run over and he falls in the snow and he's lost a shoe and I don't feel bad for him. Like he's an asshole, but I like, yeah, I obviously I want him to get home, but it's like, Hey, you know, you slightly deserve, like, you know, you kind of deserve this. It's interesting to also see like how much stuff works out for John Candy and how he's always willing to go back to Steve because John is just, he's just kind of along for the journey. He, he doesn't have a place to go back to and it's really sad, but like, it shows how genuine his character is. And the fact that he still goes back to grumpy Steve Martin is insane to me. And I think it, it was really cool to see that. But also, Neil Page's character deserves to just be shot down. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it comes to an absolute head when he, you know, tells the guys like, you know, you're going to Chicago, you know, you're in St. Louis, you know, yes, I do. Well, why don't you try the airlines a lot faster? You get a free meal. And then, <laughs> like, you know, well, if I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the John and watch you take a leak, you know, <laughs> and then he punches him in the face. And then by, you know, some miracle Dell shows up and doesn't kill him. And to pick him up, the guy grabs him by the nutsack and picks him and drags him and picks him up that way, which is the ultimate like exclamation point on the end of just like beating Neil Page. Cause after that, everything that kind of happens to him is like not necessarily his fault. But up until that, mm-hmm. that whole like 10 minute stretch, you know, he deserves it. And it's oh, just, yeah. 
it's so funny. And then his voice is high for like the next like scene or whatever. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, I'm glad, I, glad that guy, you know, picked you up as much as he did or else you'd be lifting up your schnuts to tie your shoes. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, and then all the way through till the uh, when they're driving on the wrong side of the highway, um, which is, you know, my pick for my favorite scene just because of, well, first, I think it was the first scene I saw from this movie. I think I saw like that clip somewhere um, and I was like, what is this movie? Because it's, it's so great. You know, they're driving down the wrong side. The family on the other side is trying to get their attention, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, they're like, Oh, he's drunk. You know, how would they know where we're going? And then these two Mack trucks. And I love that. I love that moment where Steve Martin realizes what's going on. Cause he's looking at the, um, like the lane outside of the car and then he looks up and he's like, oh no. And then he looks and these two Mack trucks are just burling down at him and they go in between. <laughs> oh my God. It was insanity. <laughs> um, and you know, the, the whole inserts of like, there's them screaming, they become skeletons. Then John Candy's just the devil where he's just like, ah! <laughs> like, it's, yeah. oh my God. It is just absolute all out insanity. Please, please get, tell me what you thought of that scene. <laughs> I was so stressed during that scene. Overall, <laughs> like some of the transportation stuff, like it was anxiety inducing. But that scene in particular, I was like, damn, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> that's just rough. <laughs> yeah. And then their car burns down, you know, to, yeah. <laughs> to top it all off. Uh, and then they have to get the, you know, the motel at the end. And, and again, that's where kind of the big, the last like 15 minutes of this movie, you know, they lighten up on the jokes a little bit and just make it emotional. And it, you know, in any other comedy, it kind of would have, um, I think it would have felt, um, it would have felt kind of dull, maybe a little boring, Mm -hmm. but the fact that, well, first to end, you know, your big kind of last big comedic scene that way with two Mack trucks and destroying your rental car and then setting it on fire, I think is like, you know, that's amazing. Like, that's a great way to go out. And then, you know, from then on, when they get the motel room and, um, uh, you know, Dell's just sitting in the outside in the car and he's just like talking to Marie to himself. And it's a really great personal moment. Like if just him kind of lamenting, he's like, God, I kind of ended up right back where I was. And, you know, you were right, Marie. And, you know, Steve Martin, like I said before, he, you know, kind of comes around. He's like, please, you know, you're going to freeze to death. You, you gotta come in it's like it 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 brings them together so well it does um so i i think we've kind of you know gone through all of the uh, the critical stuff and i mean it's also i wanted to say it's great to see michael mckean as the state trooper who pulls them over you know after um you know noticing that their car is just like going 75 they're 78 miles an hour down the highway and you know his reaction of just seeing them you know it's like uh you know hello officer and he's just like the hell are you driving (laughs) 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 well the speedometers the speedometers melted you know and I like that they needed like all of the obstacles that they have to get through in this movie are all fairly plausible. I mean, yeah, the car, yeah. car car burning down is like one thing, but like they're getting like it's just they get pulled over, their cars wrecked, they have to get it towed. Like mm-hmm. you know that all makes sense. Um, and you know it's great to see finally at the end John Candy, uh, 
you know, he's he opens up to Neil and he's like, you know, I you know, I don't have a home. And so then mm-hmm. instantly you get that great, you know, jump cut to uh to them walking down the road with the with the trunk in hand. Um, which raises a question for me. So they're they're at a train station. So the train station obviously is probably going to dump them out somewhere in the city of Chicago. And the next right. thing we see is them walking down their street. Like, wouldn't they he get like a cab? Close. Yeah. 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 I mean, they probably live close, but like, I feel like it would have made sense if it's like, oh, they get a cab and, you know, and that's, they get, they go there. But like, they're just walking in the middle of the road. Like, how did they get there? <laughs> You know, I feel like they went through too much on that journey to yeah. have my question at that time. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Okay, why don't, <laughs> let's you, uh, let's finish this off in analysis. Let's go to analyze this. So obviously, the whole purpose of the movie is you know to rush to get home for the holidays. Um, but this last time when I was thinking about it, I, I again I didn't really think about a lot of the the privilege aspects. Not that they necessarily went over my head; they were there. But it, it kind of comes full circle the fact that he does get beaten down so much, and we talked about that. But but you said something really interesting earlier that I liked in how um, because Neil Page just inadvertently is a dick, and Dell is constantly just getting back to him, and he's so nice. I think that's kind of one of the takeaways is how being, you know, niceness pays, being polite, being mm-hmm. happy, you know, kind of gets you where you need to go. I think a lot of times, like, negative energy spreads, you know, and no one wants to really be around something like that. So I think with John Candy having that positive attitude, he's able to combat Steve Martin's negativity throughout the whole thing. And I don't, I don't really understand how he's able to do that. But that's the John Candy is really the only reason why Steve Martin's getting home. Yeah, and it's that niceness that that carries, and and that's just that's just how the world works. If you're nice to someone, they'll give you anything. You know, like people want to help others no matter what. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and I think that yeah, you make a good point that he would not have gotten home without John Candy. He, mm-hmm. you know through all of the mistakes that John Candy made about, you know, the diner's club card and taking the cab in the beginning and all of that, you know, he owes a lot. He, he owes pretty much everything to John Candy in this movie. He, he would not have made it home. Um, and I mean, he acknowledges that at the end, you know, he says like, Oh, you know, it wasn't trouble. You got me home. Um, and, but you know, I, I think, you know, he kind of has the more, the more clear arc in the, in the story than, uh, than John Candy does, but you know I think John Candy still does need um, Neil in the story because he has some realizations of of his own. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't want to be. I don't. I don't want to go too far in saying this if if it's if it's not justified. But like, I think maybe you know Neil's assholishness led John Candy to kind of have those moments of like, oh, man, you know, life's pretty rough right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think a lot of times, like you, you just feel bad for someone that's in that position because you, there's always a way to help somebody. And I think, like, 
the way that John might have interpreted it as like, this man's really angry. I need to help him. And I think that might've exactly what you're saying. I think that might've carried him through it. Yeah, absolutely. And to, they each have their own moments of realization, which is, you know, again, it's, it's so good. And, you know, they, then they, and, but it's also, it's, it's a good, you know, it's a good hang movie. You know what I mean? Like there are scenes like immediately after he says, you know, you're going to freeze to death and brings him into the motel in the last night. Now it's just them like eating chips and drinking and, you know, talking about their wives. Like, and, you know, you could also tell that they have genuine love for their, their own family. Like regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, the fact that John Candy's wife has passed away, but like, um, they have something worth getting home to. Like they are really trying to cap, to get that feeling. And, it's good stakes. You know, there's like really good stakes in the movie because of that. <clears throat> um, and what was the other thing I wanted to, but I, I also think, I mean, that's kind of a s- standard trope for all road movies is like, yes, they get to where they're going, but they change along, along the way. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, to put like a family aspect in there makes it a little bit more powerful. I think like, do you agree? I agree. Yeah. All right, well, let's ask the big final question here. Um, and I, I, I want to, I, before I do, actually, I want to know what your relationship to holiday movies are just in general. Because mm-hmm. like we said, you know, the Thanksgiving doesn't really have any specific movies or um, music attributed to it other than probably than this one and like a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. But what what do, when do you go into a holiday movie, what do you expect? Like, what are you... What is your relationship to holiday movies, just in general? Yeah, I think that holiday movies to me are are feel-good movies. Um, something that will leave you feeling happy and feeling more joyous about your family um, or even friends. That I, I, I haven't really seen a ton of holiday movies that kind of revolve in a different direction. Um, but I, I do know that they are out there. I feel like during the holiday season, I just want to be happy. So I think I kind of go more towards those kinds of films that are just happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They are pretty much designed to be like, you know, by a happiness machine. They're just cranked out that way. I think if, you know, we talked about if this movie was made today, I think this would be made as more of a Christmas movie. Like the, the, the structure of it in general, just feels like a Christmas movie like is and mm-hmm. has been kind of used the aspects yeah. of it have been used in Christmas movies and I think if it was set around Christmas time if they were to make it again they would have you know leaned into even more of Neil Page being a dick like they would have made him like a Grinch like character you know and like yeah. not not necessarily hating Christmas but like you know that kind of mean spirit you know during the holidays um, and I, I don't know. It's like, I, I'm glad they said it during Thanksgiving to give like a little bit of a, you know, a break from Christmas, but like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think if they were to do it again, like it, they're not going to make, they're not going to set it around Easter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I don't know. I think the fact that I think also just the scenery of it, like setting it in Thanksgiving, you see all of kind of the dead trees. It's gray. It's starting to get colder. Mm-hmm. There's snow, but it's not like it's the slushy snow. It's the, you know, the, the snow that's an obstacle as opposed to in Christmas time, it's often, um, you know, depicted as, you know, beautiful scenery. 
something like that. Does that make sense? I don't even know if that made yeah. any sense, but <laughs> yes. I got you. Okay. So how does this movie capture the Thanksgiving spirit for you? Because I mean, this is the one that we've been wanting to talk about for the past few weeks to get, um, to get to Thanksgiving. How is Thanksgiving captured in this movie for you? I think it's a lot of it's captured within Del Griffith's character of like him always giving back to Neil Page. Um, and it's something that you don't really see in the forefront, but it's something that you think about later. And thanks, the whole the whole root of Thanksgiving, I feel like, is to give back to people that you love and to kind of share that genuinity that you have with them. So I think that's kind of where I see it. And like, especially when Neil Page invites Del Griffith back for Thanksgiving, you can see how the two of them are able to act upon each other to give back. So I, I think it, it shows the the fundamental parts of Thanksgiving and giving back and giving thanks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> As the name would suggest. Um, no, that's, yes. that, that, that's very true. And it is about, um, it is very much about, you know, embracing each other with open arms and the kind of the idea that we've kind of been leading to with um, in this section of the series of Thanksgiving and, um, like we talked about it with Sen of a Woman, that it kind of, that movie tries to be like, you know, embracing unconventional family and being like, you know, who's really your family, you know, like, but yeah. this movie like is the better version of it. And because you, you see it, like that scene at the end when they're at the train station and they hug each other, like you feel that, like that, like mm-hmm. really hits you in the heart. It's like, yeah, these guys are brothers now. Um, mm-hmm. And, because they also like they needed each other for this. Like mm-hmm. instead of a woman, I don't know if you've seen Son of a Woman, but they we just talked about that um, earlier this month on this show. But the, the Chris O'Donnell and Al Pacino don't need each other in that movie. Like they just they just don't. They don't go through really any journey. They don't um, grow because of one another. And even if they do, the lessons that Al Pacino teaches Chris O'Donnell are awful. They're just bad. Whereas here. They both kind of go along a similar journey, you know, um, to need each other. And I, I think, you know, we said it that it's about, you know, the hustle and the bustle of getting home for the holidays is, uh, is you know, at the, which is a very real dilemma, obviously, as we've discussed, you know, to make it, you know, even more relatable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, kind of going back to the idea of like, you know, having them come together at the end just the fact that he invites him into his home and introduces Dell to his entire family, you know, is it's very heartwarming. Cause like, you know, just without yeah. saying it now he's part of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. All right. Is there any, any other final notes or any other comments that you want to give for? I don't think so. I think we covered quite a lot. It was yes. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Angela. Thank you very much. I'm so happy that we got to do this. Absolutely. That does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. We'd like to keep it short and sweet on the holiday season. Don't want to work too hard. Special thanks to Angela for coming on the show and spending her time with us. She wanted me to give a special shout out to her production company entitled... 
Perennial Pictures. You can check out their Instagram account, Perennial Pictures, P-E-R-E-N-N-I-A-L Pictures, um, all about their short films and everything they've been working on at Ithaca College. They really make some great stuff, so you definitely want to go check them out. Frankly, I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions podcast network where you can listen to other podcasts such as Ravnica Avengers, our very own Real Play D&D podcast, and you can check out Tea Time with Titans, our Attack on Titan recap podcast, which has new episodes out every single Wednesday. For more fun and exciting film updates, please go check us out on social media, on Facebook at Frankly I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast, and you can check out my Letterboxd account, Big Walls 21, Josh Wall, for all new recent reviews for any movie that I'm seeing in my spare time. And finally, we kick off the Christmas season with Noah Holloway stopping by for a very long and in-depth discussion on the modern Christmas classic, Elf. It's a great one, and you don't have to wait long for it. That will be out December 1st, just a few days away. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Movies.